with Mike Wicket. From the Bally Bet Sportsbook App Studio. Get social features, casino rewards, and exclusive games in one betting app. Happy Friday. Very short show today. We got Cubs baseball coming your way. Cubs and White Sox. Uh, it is a battle of the Windy City. 12.45 for the pregame, and then Pat and Ron will have the call right here on 1350 ESPN, which means we got to get to our first guest, who joins us from Chicago. You hear him afternoons on 670 to score in the Windy City to talk some Chicago Bears as camps are open. Preseason football is here. want to welcome in my friend Danny Parkins. Danny, appreciate the time so much. How are you, bud? Wicked. I'm good, man. Thanks so much for having me on. How you doing? I'm okay. So is the city out of mourning because the Cubs era pretty much ended and we've, we've made that transition to bear season already? It depends who you ask, to be totally honest with you. I think many of us Cubs fans saw it coming, prepared ourselves. <laughs> it, it hurt, <laughs> but like, you know, it was, it was like the, uh, the dying old relative who the last two or three years were kind of on life support and you can kind of emotionally prepare yourself. It wasn't like a sudden car crash or something like that to go really morbid with you on the analogy. Uh, but for, but for other people who maybe don't follow like the inner machinations of contract details and arbitration and thought, well, they'll at least resign Baez or, Oh, well, Rizzo will be here because what's the market really going to be like for a 31-year-old first baseman with a bad back? I think there is still some shock factor that uh, is lingering, but there's no question the one thing that's always unified this city is the Bears, and therefore Justin Fields is, frankly, the most popular person in Chicago right now. I I was listening to you guys after the draft, Uh, obviously, the conversation begins, you know, when does Fields start? I know Nagy said that Dalton's the guy, but be honest. What, you're reading into this, following the team, hearing what you're hearing. How long till Justin Fields actually starts for the Bears? If I was the coach, he would start week one against the Rams. Matt Nagy seems to be committed to playing Andy Dalton, and by all accounts, Andy Dalton is having a perfectly fine start to training camp. Justin Fields is going to play a lot in the preseason. I think that's going to help determine it, right? Like, if he looks dominant and special, I think the leash is going to be very, very, very short on Andy Dalton. If he struggles and looks a little lost in terms of some of the things that it takes, you know, getting in and out of the huddle, delay of games, turnover, that sort of thing, then I think maybe there are some losses that Andy Dalton could hang, and as long as he's playing well, Matt Nagy might stick to his initial plan. But I think, unfortunately, again, it's not what I would do, but I think that Justin Fields' time is directly correlated with whether or not the Bears are winning or losing, not necessarily how, even how Andy Dalton is performing. I think if they're winning, Andy Dalton stays the starter, and if they're losing, they'll turn to Justin Fields sooner than later for a spark. Talking to Danny Parkins from 670 to score here in the afternoons. He's joining us here on 1350 ESPN in Des Moines. Danny, how linked and, and how quickly, I guess, is this leash going to be for Nagy and Pace connected to Justin Fields? Like, if he sucks after a year or two, do they move on? Or are the three of them grouped together? Well, I think if he's bad two years from now, they're certainly both out of here. I I think the only scenario in which they're out of here after this year is, like, doomsday scenario. Like, Andy Dalton gets hurt in a preseason game. Justin Fields starts from week one. The Bears go 4-13, and 13 and Justin Fields looks awful and irredeemable throughout, right? And then the Bears are, like, in position to have 
a top five or seven draft pick in line to get another quarterback, and there's not much faith that Justin Fields is the answer. Like In that doomsday scenario, everybody gets fired, but I think the fact that the McCaskey family empowered Ryan Pace to trade next year's first-round pick to trade up, and so even in that scenario, by the way, they would not be able to select the replacement for Justin Fields. <laughs> they, you know, but in, in a scenario where the Bears have an awful year and Justin Fields looks terrible for the majority of the year, then I guess they're fired. But I think when they drafted Justin Fields and empowered them to trade future picks to take Justin Fields, that's what bought them at least this season and next. Are Fields jerseys popping up all over the city already? Oh, yeah. I mean, he's a top three selling jersey in the NFL. So most of those, of course, are coming from Chicago. I, I like the orange, the alternate <laughs> use, uh, jersey personally, but uh, I really think that the white, the blue, or the orange are all good buys this upcoming season. Well, regardless, regardless of if it's Dalton or Fields, you know, they, they got some weapons. I, I actually kind of like the Bears' offense. And, and, Danny, you know I'm a Packers fan, so I like to take shots at, at Chicago whenever I can. But there are some decent weapons to throw that football to. Allen Robinson is as dangerous as any wide receiver in the NFL. Mooney's a deep threat guy. They've got Komet. They've got, they got David Montgomery. I mean, there's a lot to work with here. There is a lot to work with. The, right now the crisis is at offensive tackle. Uh, they have a massive problem uh, on both sides. Everybody's injured, and even the guys that, if they were healthy, are not very experienced with their position. Jermaine Effetti is slated to be the right tackle. He's been hurt and has spent more time at guard than tackle in his NFL career. They let go of Charles Leno, who wasn't good, but he wasn't awful, and he didn't get hurt. (laughs) And they drafted Tevin Jenkins in the second round, and he hasn't practiced yet with a bad back. So they're slating a second-round rookie left tackle who played more right tackle than left in college to be their opening day left tackle. So right now the problem is protection. I'm with you. I think the skill position guys are fine. I think Darnell Mooney can be very, very good. Like I think he has Pro Bowl potential, but it's not going to matter if uh, the quarterback's getting hit two seconds after he snaps it. And obviously there's a lower ceiling on this thing with Andy Dalton than there is with Justin Fields. You know, I, I wonder how much of what you just said, the inexperience, uh, the injuries, does that factor at all into Nagy's decision to go with Dalton as opposed to Justin Fields? It shouldn't, and he hasn't given any indication that it would, and he was committed to starting Andy Dalton before Kevin Jenkins had an injury, so I don't believe that those things are connected. I mean, my philosophy is things are going to be imperfect in the NFL, and Justin Fields better get used to that real quick because he's playing for the Chicago Bears. He's not playing for Phil Belichick. He's not playing for Andy Reid. He's not playing with one of the greatest teams and organizations in all of football. Like, He's going to have tackle problems. He's going to have receiver problems. He's going to have to go up against Aaron Donald and some of the best players in the NFL. The Bears have the Rams Sunday night football week one. And I don't know about you, but uh, if I've got problems with pass protection, I personally would prefer the kid with the 4-4 speed and top five athleticism of the position in the entire league as opposed to Andy Dalton. Talking to Danny Parkins from 670 to score up in Chicago about the Bears. It's uh, Wicket's World here on 1350 ESPN. Last year, when they won three out of four to close out the year, and I seem, I think I played against David Montgomery in fantasy football every week at the end. And every week, once that offensive line was actually healthy last year, Montgomery was able to run. I know that there's mixed feelings about him as being the, the running back for the long term, but where are you at with Montgomery? I think he's a talented player, and I think he improved over the course of the season, and uh, he apparently looks awesome 
in training camp, and he worked with a speed coach uh, this offseason to hopefully not really lose weight or power or the ability to go through tackles but have some finishing speed because the Bears did not really have many very, uh, chunk plays in the running game last year. They didn't really have many chunk plays on offense, but in particular the running game, like it was – if there was eight yards there to get, David Montgomery would get you eight yards, but he wouldn't get you much extra. I do think he has the ability to be a very good running back, but let's also be honest here. Like Matt Nagy is not, he said, it's very possible that, uh, it's very doable that David Montgomery could get 20 carries per game. No, it isn't. Like that, that, is, that, that, is, that is not true. That is not happening. The only running back in the NFL who averaged more than 20 carries per game last year was Derrick Henry. He averaged 23. Dalvin Cook was at 19 and a half. No one else was close. And we know that Matt Nagy likes to get off the bus passing and then passing and passing some more. So David Montgomery could get 15 to 16 touches per game, maybe 18 touches per game if they're winning and he's very productive and he's getting some, you know, obviously some passes out of the backfield. But David Montgomery is not going to be a 20 carry per game guy. Basically nobody is in the modern NFL. Have the Bears gotten a return on the Khalil Mack trade? So I would say yes. That is definitely a split opinion. I think that I would take what the Bears have with Khalil Mack over what the Raiders got out of those draft picks. I mean, they used one of those picks on Jacobs, who's a fine running back, but I don't like drafting running backs that high in the draft. And then they ended up having to take Cleveland Farrell from Clemson to replace Khalil Mack's pass rush, who's been one of the biggest busts in the top ten of the last three years. So uh, just from what the Raiders did with the draft capital – I'll take Khalil Mack. And the, but the problem has been Khalil Mack's been hurt. He won't talk about it. He won't admit it. But he's had a back issue. He's had a shoulder issue ever since that dominant 2018 season. So I still believe Khalil Mack, when healthy, is a top-five defensive player in football. And the pressures uh, seem to back up that fact when he's healthy. So I still will take trading for the elite talent over the unproven guys that the Raiders got and the young players that the Raiders got. But... They also haven't won a playoff game with Khalil Mack, so it's not like it's been that big of a lopsided trade for the Bears. I, I really wanted my Packers to draft Roquan Smith a couple of years ago. I thought he was a stud coming out of Georgia. I just love his speed. I have to imagine Bears fans are in love with this guy, and when he and Mack are on the field together, quarterbacks beware. Yeah, he's pretty great. I mean, there's really, <laughs> there's really nothing to not like about Roquan Smith. His sideline-to-sideline side speed is amazing. He's a tackling machine. And as you know, this town from Erlocker to Singletary to Butkus loves its middle linebackers. So he has the potential to be a beloved figure in this town. He, he needs to put it together and have a full 17-game now, it was 16-game season, where he's dominant from start to finish. And I think uh, he's poised to do that, especially because Eddie Goldman is back. He opted out from COVID uh, last year. He's their first and second down, like, run-stuffing interior defensive lineman next to Akeem Hicks. Bears' D-line should be awesome this year with Goldman, Hicks. Delal Nichols, I think, is an absolute stud, and no one talks about him enough. A steal of a fifth-round pick by Ryan Pace, who I would sign to a contract extension yesterday. So I I personally think the D-line is great, and that should make it pretty easy for a healthy Khalil Mack and a healthy Roquan Smith to wreak some havoc this year. Eight and eight last year, new quarterback with an old guy at quarterback, but maybe the young guy at quarterback. What is the feeling in the NFC North? Because obviously everybody was excited in Chicago when Aaron Rodgers was done with the Packers. 
who knows what's going to happen with Kirk Cousins and he wants to play in plexiglass. The Lions are in rebuild mode. Where, where do the Bears fit in in this division? Behind the Packers, right? I, I think that that's the, the basic pecking order here. I, I think they're still better than the Lions, and I think that likely it will come down to turnover luck and health between them and the Vikings. And then there's the wild card of, does Justin Fields play? And if he plays, how good is he? Like, if the Bears have a healthy season and he plays like Justin Herbert last year, who had 31 touchdowns and 10 interceptions, the Bears can be a 10 or 11 win team. If they have some injury problems because they're not deep at tackle, they're not deep at corner, so especially they're not deep at receiver, so especially if they get hurt in the wrong places, uh, and then Justin Fields either doesn't play or plays like a normal rookie, they could be a six-win team. So, you know, so I think there's a fairly high degree of variance, but I would say this. It's a very tough schedule, but Matt Nagy in his three years has never had quarterback production outside of the bottom ten in the NFL, and he's never had a losing record. So even if you just give him league average quarterback play, which is a slightly ambitious ask for Andy Dalton, but certainly shouldn't be, for Justin Fields, but just league average would be by far the best quarterback production Matt Nagy's ever had. So I think that combined with the defense, even with the tough schedule, I think the Bears most likely are a 9-8 and eight or 10-7 and seven team this year. Hey, Danny, thank you for the time, man. Appreciate it. Continued success in Chicago. We'll talk with you again down the road. Anytime, man. Thank you for the invite. Thank you. Danny Parkins here from 670 The Score joining us on 1350 ESPN, and it will, that's one of the storylines of the entire NFL season going in is whether or not Andy Dalton is the long-term, and by long-term I mean this season. Is he the guy, should he be average to lead the Bears for 17 games, or do they pull the trigger and do what you know the, the Chargers wound up having to do with Justin Herbert a year ago? Uh, do they go with the rookie? And I have no idea how good Fields is going to be, as you heard, he's wildly popular in Chicago. He's got a, uh, one of the top five draft, I'm sorry, one of the top five jerseys that are being sold in the NFL. Uh, but he's going to be a rook, and not everybody comes in and plays as well as Herbert did or some of the other rookies who have had success. So that is a storyline to keep an eye on in Chicago. Thanks again to Danny Parkins. Follow him on Twitter, at Danny Parkins. All right, coming up, I'm not 100% sure why this guy is getting more of an outlet to tell, quote, his story. We got to get to what The Athletic has decided to put up on their website and who they decided to interview. Plus, uh, we definitely have to talk about what happened last night in the NFL because bad football is better than no football, right? It's Wicket's World. More coming up next here on 1350 ESPN. This is Wicket's World on 1350 ESPN. From the BallyBet Sportsbook App Studio, get social features, casino rewards, and exclusive games in one betting app. Some breaking news that has just come across from the National Football League. Josh Allen and the Buffalo Bills have agreed to a six-year contract extension. Six years worth $258 million. $158 million of that is guaranteed. My gosh. You have one great year in the NFL on your rookie deal. That is all it takes. 
That is li- that is it. Six years, two fifty-eight. What's that? A forty-three big piece. That forty-three million a year. Is that what we got? I think it's forty-three million dollars a year and one hundred fifty million guaranteed. Man, when you throw out numbers like that, and I, you are worth what someone will pay you. That is a, a rule of love, life that I live by. You are worth what somebody is going to pay you. But I'm looking at that numbers, like Dak Prescott four at forty million each. You know, Mahomes signed the half-billion-dollar deal, 12 at $45 million a year. Josh Allen, 6 at $43 million a year. Like, what's the number going to be in five years? It's going to be insane. Can you find out who the highest-paid quarterback was in 2016? I got you. Google that for me and see what you come up with. Because five years, I mean, it's good to compare it. You know, I, was, uh, I blogged. <laughs> I wrote a story uh, about... Uh, you can you can check it out on my Twitter page or on Facebook or whatever. But I did a story about uh, the Green Bay Packers. Now, they should not re-sign Devontae Adams to the number that he wants. He wants $25 million a year. And very rarely does a team have really good success with the highest-paid wide receiver in the National Football League on their roster. The last time a team won the Super Bowl with the highest-paid player or the highest-paid wide receiver on their team was 2008. Marvin Harrison made $8.4 million that year. That was the highest paid wide receiver in the National Football League. And he was on the Colts team when they won the Super Bowl. Um, what do you got, Pete? What was, who was the highest paid quarterback in 2016? Um, as what Microsoft Bing tells me, it looks like Cam Newton. Cam Newton was the highest paid Five-year, $103 million contract. So 20-some million dollars, yeah. 21 and change or something along those lines, 20 and change. So $20 million five years ago. So if you just go by that ratio, five years from now, some kid who's playing in college right now, maybe it's Spencer Rattler, who's at Oklahoma. Maybe it's Brock Purdy, who's at Iowa State. Who knows? Five years from now, that guy could be signing an extension worth $60 million a year or $65 million a year. When is this number going to get just absolutely out of control? Yeah. I mean, Josh Allen, don't get me wrong. Josh Allen has gotten better every single year. You know, he was right around 50% completion percentage his first year. He was more of a goal line quarterback. That's it. He couldn't throw. Got better, got better last year. Busted out, was an MVP candidate for a lot of last year. You know, he, he, his accuracy is around 70%. Like, he turned into a damn good quarterback. Yeah. But if you would have told me two years ago that Josh Allen was going to sign a, a contract extension for six years worth $258 million, I would have said you were absolutely insane. Mm-hmm. Wyoming? Is that right? Wyoming. Wyoming? My God, $150 million guaranteed. Um, you know, I think about the, the $100 million guaranteed contract for Kirk Cousins, who's an idiot, by the way. But I think about the $100 million contract for Kirk Cousins, and I'm like, that didn't make any sense because he was slightly above average in Washington. Like, he was not the greatest quarterback, but he was all that they just needed to solidify that, that they thought in Minnesota. They thought that he was going to be the answer, and he's not, and he's an idiot. What's Aaron Rodgers making this year? 30, 20 set. Didn't he move money? 
to, to come back, and they chopped off the third year, and the next year against the cap, it's like $46 million. It, if Rodgers plays for the Packers next year, he's going to make $46 million. He'll be the highest-paid quarterback in the NFL next year. Mm-hmm. He's not this year. Dak's making 40 I don't know what Mahomes. See if you can give me the list of the top paid, top, top five paid quarterbacks in the NFL going into this year. Who are they in 2021? Because I don't know if Mah- has Mahomes' deal kicked in yet, or is that still? Are we still on one more year of his rookie contract? I don't. I, I need to know those. But who's got the biggest cap hit? This doesn't look right. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Wait a minute. Highest paid quarterbacks 2021. What's Spot Track tell me? Okay, so it is. Okay, it's Mahomes, forty-five million. Mahomes is making forty-five million this year. Dak's making forty. Deshaun Watson, assuming he plays, is at thirty-nine. Russell Wilson's at thirty-five. Aaron Rodgers is at thirty-three and a half. And then Jared Goff is <laughs> making thirty-three and a half. Cousins thirty-three. And Carson Wentz is making 32 and is probably not going to play much, if at all, this year. So your biggest number right now is Patrick Mahomes, who's making $45 million to play 17 football games and beyond. Jared Allen is going to make $43 million. Bucks. $43 that million. That is craziness. Absolute craziness. But again, he has gotten very... He went from very, very average to good, to MVP status, you know, about, I don't know, midway, about week 13, 14, right? I mean, he was really good last year. Then he kind of fell off the map, and there was about an 11-game stretch where the Bills were like 10-1. and I think the only game they lost was the Kyler Murray, Hail Mary to DeAndre Hopkins. Like, that was the only game that they wound up in that, that stretch of actually losing. 37 touchdowns, 10 interceptions, 4,500 yards for Josh Allen last year. And his completion percentage was a career high last year. He completed 69.2% of his passes. So you get him Stefan Diggs, you get him a couple other weapons, all of a sudden Josh Allen becomes a da- amazing, isn't it? You put pieces around a guy and all of a sudden they can become, you know, have career years. Yeah, 52 to 58 to 69% completion percentage. Wow. Good for you, Josh Allen. There you go, Josh. Good for you. And he's a dude that you look at and you think he's going to hold up. He's like monster. He's got to be about 6'5", 6'6". He's a beast. Mm. You know, that dude is built for the long haul, I think. So good for him. Adam Schefter uh, from ESPN breaking the compensation uh, and Chris Mortensen breaking the, uh, the signing. Goodness. By the way, Kirk Cousins is an idiot. <laughs> I don't know if I mentioned that or not, but Kirk Cousins is an absolute idiot. Yeah. Um, Kirk Cousins with his reasoning and his plan for the, the, the COVID rules and not getting the, uh, the vaccine. Imagine if you are in that locker room and the leader of your team potentially could miss time and doesn't seem to care. His solution is to build a plexiglass wall around his locker instead of just getting the shot. I'm not getting political with anyone, but my God. <sighs> All right, uh, quick timeout coming up. The Athletic is giving the voice to a murderer. I don't understand why. They, it, it's disgusting what they're actually doing, and I will tell you about it coming up. we got Cubs baseball, Cubs and White Sox at 1245 for coverage of Game 1, and then Pat and Ron will have the call around 120 right here on 1350 ESPN.
This is Wicket's World on 1350 ESPN. From the Bally Bet Sportsbook App Studio, get social features, casino rewards, and exclusive games in one betting app. Thirteen fifty ESPN in Des Moines. It's Wicket's World. I'm Mike Wicket. Thanks for hanging out here on a Friday. Cubs baseball coming your way. Twelve uh, forty-five. So, like less than fifteen minutes, we'll have coverage of Cubs and White Sox. Thanks again to Danny Parkins. If you missed any part of the show, we'll podcast it at ESPNDesMoines.com. Like us on Facebook. Hello, if you're watching us on the ESPN Des Moines Facebook page. So, I, I was scrolling uh, through Twitter this morning, and something came up, and I just don't. It just grossed me out, all right? The Athletic. Big Pete, you're a sports nut. You like sports. You do a podcast. Uh, do you ever do you pay for The Athletic? No. I don't know anyone who pays for The Athletic. I know no one. I know a lot of the writers that write for The Athletic. They're friends of mine. They've come on the show. But I don't know anyone who pays for The Athletic. Yeah. And I saw this story come down from The Athletic. And for whatever reason, as we're getting to, to the kickoff of the NFL season, they're doing their top 100 NFL players in the history of the league. And O.J. Simpson's on the list at 41. Mm-hmm. Okay? They have decided, the writer's name is Tim Graham, they have decided to let O.J. tell his story about his life. I don't understand why in the hell anyone, and I know what you're saying, well, Wicket, you're talking about it right now. I am to express my disgust. Uh, I am to express my disdain. I am to express the fact that I am just grossed out by anyone giving O.J. Simpson oxygen. O.J. Simpson needs to go away. You know, when he discovered Twitter like three years ago, it became kind of entertaining because it's O.J. and he's flipping weird. But why in the world... Would anybody want to hear from O.J. Simpson about how happy he is? He killed Nicole. He killed Ron Goldman. He robbed and stole from people. The audio is there. The video is there. I know he was acquitted, but O.J. murdered those people in the 90s. All right? And so O.J.'s got this long-form article where I'm just going to read you a couple of lines. It starts out like this. O.J. Simpson is halfway through his second Bloody Mary when he turns philosophical. How many Americans, even today, wouldn't like to live my life? I don't work. I play golf four or five days a week. I go out to dinner a couple of nights with friends. People want to buy me drinks. I'm always taking pictures with people. Ladies hug me. People truly care for me. You murdered two people. Allegedly. You robbed and stole and have spent years of your life in jail. I don't understand why anybody would want, but here's, and, I, and I'm, this is why, because I'm talking about it. I'm a guy in the radio, I'm talking about it. The Athletic is going to get clicks. The Athletic Twitter account is going to get clicks. We love villains in this country. We do. We love a good Ted Bundy story. We love a good Charles Manson story. We love a good OJ story. You can't have a good story without a good villain. And I guarantee, and the villain is usually a lot cooler than the hero, mm-hmm. but I guarantee you, you know, the, the O.J. documentary that ESPN did, what, like four or five? Remember, it was a five-part documentary, and it was great. It was fantastic to learn about O.J. and his life and then into the murders, which I believe he committed both of them. He killed Ron Goldman, I believe, and he killed Nicole. 
But I don't want to hear O.J. tell me how great his life is. Yeah. I don't want to hear O.J. say, I live the perfect life. I'm out here playing golf. I get to go out to eat. Women want to hug me. Guys want to buy me drinks. It's great. No. I would prefer O.J. go away. But, but again, I know the outlet. I know the fame. I know the attraction of a guy like O.J. Simpson and what he means to the athletic. And I promise you, I completely promise you that this will get the athletic, the clicks that they want, the extra subscriptions that they want. I mean, I, this actually has officially turned me off from ever paying for the athletic because mm-hmm. they always run their 50% off deals or whatever. I'm sorry, man. I, it, it, that's, that is selling out to sell out. That is giving the voice to a murderer, allegedly, a, a, an alleged murderer, giving him a chance to tell you how great his life is. What an American dream story that is. Mm-hmm. If you kill two people and you steal and you commit violent acts, you too can live this sweet life as long as you can smile and you can run the football. That's what that tells the entire world. About nine years ago, <laughs> this was the dumb, one of the dumber ideas O.J. ever had. He went on a TV talk show, and he was going to let people ask him questions. Have you heard this before, Pete? I have never heard this before. This is hilarious. This, this is one of my favorite O.J. moments when people called into this TV talk show to ask him questions. Guys, let's go to Kevin, I believe, in New Jersey. Kevin, what's your question for O.J.? Kevin, what's your question for OJ? Hi, good show, dude. Um, my kid, my kid Chris was wondering: Do you think it was a bigger feat to break 2,000 yards in one season or slice two necks in one night? <laughs> I, I'm, so, I'm having a little trouble, Kevin. Here, oh yeah. Um, I. Oh. Alex is listening to us in Ohio. Hey, Alex. Yes. Hey, Alex. Hey, how you doing? Not Juice? bad. <laughs> Juice, can you hear me, Juice? Yes, I can hear you, buddy. Yeah, uh, remember when you played for the 49ers? Yeah. Yeah, did you kill Bill Walsh? <laughs> <laughs> Whoever, I mean, and there are more, like, there's, a, I, I assume that interview is like an hour long, and there's a couple, av- couple after that. They're not nearly as entertaining as those first two, but props to those people for going right at O.J. Simpson and, and giving him the business, because it, it's not like... You know, O.J. is ever going to get in trouble anymore. You know, it's I, I don't know if it's a statute of limitations or whatever, but the trial of the century was long ago. There have been multiple movies, documentaries, Hollywoodizations of the trial of the century and the murders, and it's not going to change anything. But the fact that The Athletic is like, tell us how great O.J.'s life is. O.J., tell us about how great your life is. All the time you spend on the golf course, all the cocktails you're having, what a crock of crap. Yeah. Crock of crap. Uh, moving on to something that is more positive. We had football last night. It's true. We actually got to watch football last night, and it was terrible. Yeah. It was a horrible display of the National Football League, and you know what? I didn't care because it was on. It reminded me of my uh, freshman football highlights I had. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. It's, but it's exactly what you expected, right? Like, you didn't expect... Even when you didn't think Dak and uh, Big Ben were going to play, you didn't exactly expect it to be good football, knowing that they weren't going to be in there, knowing that Ben DiNucci and uh, uh, the kid from Ohio State, uh, Dwayne Haskins, Haskins were going to play, and Garrett Gilbert was going to play. You knew this game was going to suck. 
from a football standpoint. But I got to tell you, man, I know it's cliche. I know everybody's going to tell me, you know, that's what everybody says, but bad football is better than no football. And I watched till the game ended. And it felt like a midseason Thursday night. Because here's what happens in my world. I, you tell me if this is what happens in your world. Maybe not, Pete, because you're not married. But mm-hmm. um, it, is, it came to my attention that my wife really is only going to get my, my attention during the football season on Tuesdays, Wednesdays, and Fridays. Because Thursday night is usually a bad football game, but I don't care. It starts, and it really can either trip um, my fantasy week into a good mode or it can set me all the way back. Usually it's the latter because I suck at fantasy football. But Thursday night, football game, cool. Friday, we're going to do something. We have kids. We don't go out anywhere. It's not exactly the most luxurious life that we live. But regardless, so we've got that going on. And then Saturday, of course, is college football Saturday. And it's all about trying to watch football and take care of my three babies and have a TV on somewhere that I can see at, at all times. It takes a little extra work. But you got to do that. And then Sunday, my wife is a saint. She has, for whatever reason, allowed me to watch the full Packers game whenever it's on. Whether it's the early game, the second game, or the night game. And usually, because the Packers are the Packers and they're, the prime time, they're a primetime team, you know, Cowboys, Packers, Patriots, uh, Steelers are usually those teams in the, the later half. Chiefs now with Mahomes. The... the the Packers generally play that second game. Sometimes it's the Fox game of the week, the Joe Buck game, whatever, but it's usually that second game. And the babies all wake up about 3 o'clock, which is not good when a game kicks off at 325. And I'm upstairs like, <sighs> having a beer, watching the Packer game, got chips coming down my shirt, whatever. And all I hear is crying from downstairs. Mm-hmm. But she lets me do it. You know, it's awesome. So if I can get the babies down by 1230, kickoffs at noon, we kind of train and take one upstairs with me to watch the game on that TV and, and whatnot. And then Monday night, you know, babies go down at 7, 730, boom, right into Monday night football. She knows that I'm going to be watching that game. Usually it's because I'm about to suffer some sort of excruciating fantasy football loss where I'm going to be booted out of the season or I'm going to fall to 0-6 or whatever the case may be. And then last year was weird because last year we had the games that were on Tuesdays. Remember, because of COVID, we're pushing all the games back. So really, I never saw my wife uh, during the football season other than like (laughs) Wednesday, Friday. And now this year, hopefully that opens Tuesdays back up because I don't think the NFL has any plan of pushing games back. But last night felt like that Thursday night game. It did. It felt even though... Mason Rudolph sucks, and Dwayne Haskins sucks, and Josh Dobbs sucks, and all the Dallas, and you know, there was no Zeke, no nothing, but it still felt great. Yeah. It still felt really great, and it was kind of cool to see some of the, you know, because we didn't have Hall of Fame stuff a year ago, we didn't have the Hall of Fame game, we didn't have the Hall of Fame induction ceremony, it's going to be a very busy weekend of inductions where all the class of 2020 and the class of 2021 and all of the speeches, Bill Cower and Jimmy Johnson and Peyton Manning and the great Charles Woodson all going in, and they were doing some of those interviews throughout the game. And one that I thought was particularly interesting was Calvin Johnson. I have read, and I'm not surprised by this because Detroit screws everything up, Yeah. but I read somewhere in the Detroit Free Press that 
during his speech, there is no mention when he speaks this weekend. There is no mention of the Detroit Lions franchise whatsoever in Calvin Johnson's speech Yikes. because of how poorly that relationship ended when he retired six years ago. He only played nine seasons in the NFL. I feel like we as fans, and he's, it's his call, but we as fans missed out on the opportunity to watch Megatron play for at least three or four more at an elite Julio Jones kind of level. So yeah. should be a fun weekend of football. Should be a fun weekend of great speeches. Hopefully you will enjoy it. My thanks to Danny Parkins, who joined me. If you missed anything, you can catch it over at ESPNDesMoines.com. Cubs and White Sox coming up next. Thanks to Big Pete for producing. My name is Mike Wickett. This has been Wickett's World on 1350 ESPN.